1: Fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, this is Anthony. And this is episode 309 the top 10 the card games. we like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back and we are back with one of our fun top 10 lists. We talked about the top 10 dice games, and now we're talking about the top 10 card games. Yeah, I mean, we did the dice games. Why not do the card games? The card Uh, games. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, This
0: is a funny list. We were just talking about this before we we started recording. There aren't a ton of these. I thought there'd be more, but there are a few really, really good ones we'll get to. But there's like five coming out in the next year. So we're going to definitely revisit this list, I think, down the line, because I think someone got the bug. They're like, the dice games are, that's so, (laughs) We we ran
1: out of dice. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Um, that's so 2019 let's do the card games now. Uh, so you've got like, you know, the terraforming Mars card game and everything that are coming out. So, uh, I think this is coming up. So it's a good reason to talk about it now. So let's set the scene of the best ones that are currently on the the market and then we'll revisit later and see how it jostles around.
1: Yeah. These top 10 lists always are an ever changing, ever growing list. And in particular, what we really try to do here is to educate and inform what is the best of the best, so hopefully we will see more of those in the future. And the idea, like last week, with the dice game was the fact that there are these amazing board game designs out there, and then they've been refined, redesigned, and diceified into a new format that sometimes, in fact, are even better than the board game versions, and if not... It's a totally different take. So here, this episode, The Card Games, again, totally different take on some of our favorite games. So we'll talk about those here. And like Anthony said, we will definitely come back and talk about the new games because anytime there's a good card game out there, especially if it's The Card Game, we want to collect it. It should be part of our collection. So so we'll be talking about that on our feature review. And nonetheless, we're going to be having so much fun here for this episode but Anthony, there is so much going on. Obviously, we have Board Gamer Anonymous news out there. Why don't you let us know what's going on with us and in the industry?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first things first, uh, Wednesday every week. Uh, this week, Wednesday, January 20th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're having our next episode of BGA Live. So BGA 15, Live! <laughs> featuring Carcassonne Hunters and Gatherers. This is the uh, new game that went up on Board Game Arena, not last week, but the week before. So, uh, we're trying to give you the newest stuff that's just hitting and you can get a chance to, have to play it. We've never actually done Carcassonne, so this will be a fun way to do Carcassonne, but like the newest version that they have. So, yes. uh, that is this week's episode. Russ and crew will be on there <laughs> playing and we'll be
1: talking through it. Yeah, so join us there because we will be talking about the game, learn the game, play the game, have fun, sit back and enjoy all the fun that is BJ Live. It's just like Board Gamers Anonymous but it's live, although this is live. Isn't this live now? How yeah. did this happen? <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're, kind of, we're kind of losing our differentiator on Wednesdays. So I don't know <laughs> <what> the difference <laughs> it used to be that only one was alive. That was the agreement. We weren't going to go any further. We were going to remain anonymous and now double live stuff. So yeah. hopefully you're enjoying that out there as two just totally entrenched introverts try to get through Twitch, which... Yeah. I should mention, if you're currently watching this on Board Game Arena, you can jump over to Twitch. Board Game Arena has its very own Twitch channel, and you could chat with me and all our listeners and viewers as the episode goes on. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with BGA Live. What do you have next? Uh,
0: yeah, so, I mean, you and I talked about this off-air. Um, we figured it'd be a good chance to mention it here, especially because of the games we're talking about today. But obviously, there's been a huge kerfuffle, I guess is the best word to, to call it, in the board game industry. So, mm-hmm. uh, specifically on board game Twitter, I, and you, you've you pointed all this out to me, like you've sent me the messages, because I'm not as clued into Twitter as you are. But it's, yeah, I mean, why don't you walk us through, like, what happened? And then, you know, obviously, it's, everybody's talking about it, so you probably already know if you're watching this. But, you know, it'd be sure. interesting. I think it's important that we talk about it.
1: Yeah, I I think it's important that we talk about too. We don't want to get into too much detail because a lot of stuff is still coming to light. And I think it's very important for people to research and figure out and have those conversations with those parties before coming to any kind of particular conclusions. But I think that we can say that obviously, today, Monday, which happens to be in the United States, MLK Day, Martha Luther King, the Reverend Doctor, all about social justice, all about racial justice, all about economic justice. And we're so wonderfully grateful to have him as part of our history and his traditions, and his spirit lives on with all of us. So anytime we approach and we should approach any situation in our lives, we should be open and want to be educated and want to learn more about the world in which we live in because obviously there are a lot of people with a lot of different opinions but there is also a bigger structural foundational world in which we live in that informs so much of what we do and think and say so with that in mind recently there's been two kerfuffles this past weekend first up uh phil Eklund, who develops some really heavy crunchy intense games in fact so heavy and crunchy that even Anthony and I have not covered them on the podcast. But these are seriously heavy, crunchy games, like super, super deep. And recently it came to life that Phil Eklund had written some things up, some essays in his rule books, some comments, I I guess would be best data around like race and a lot of just problematic content that was unnecessarily separate from the game, but in the rule books, but also at the same time was information that he was using to inform his games that were typically about uh biodiversity and genetics and a whole bunch of other things. So as this had come to light, other people were taking a look at it for the first time. We weren't aware of it, of course, either. And it was thought of that maybe there would be a come to an understanding of how we should approach and how we should speak to Phil Ecclen about work that he was doing and maybe he could take another look at it and see where he might have a blind spot here or there Um, but the, the content was so problematic and Phil Eklund did not seem to want to kind of like take that educational approach and his publisher Ion Games Design and Sierra Madre Games decided that they would continue with the products as they have contract but not contract anything further with him and it there is a separation there, including uh, friends of ours at Heavy Cardboard, who does a large number of Phil Eklund games themselves. So they had a close relationship as well, and they've started to distance themselves there, too. So as Anthony said, it's led to such a kerfuffle. And then obviously there's been some other people who have jumped in. Fun Again Games recently jumped in and attack people at heavy cardboard, and something that's going on in our industry, and it should be kind of made aware that these things are occurring. And on top of that kerfuffle, there is another kerfuffle, and that's based around Dan- uh, Danielle Tashini, who designs so many of our favorite games, from Marco Polo to Tetsuakhin. I mean, there's just there's just an endless number of games. Zolkin, and again, something that he had written, and it was based in, again his understanding of the world in which he felt free to use certain, let's say N words in order to describe people of color and did not see a problem with that. And then of course, people were trying to educate and inform him about that. There was an apology that was not seen as sincere by most people in the industry. And there's been some ongoing push back and forth board and dice, who produces a large number of his current games has ended their professional relationship with, Uh, Daniel Tashini, and this is a situation that's still developing. Obviously, Anthony and I have really enjoyed his games as time's gone on. Neither one of us were aware of his particular racial views and are obviously very disappointed with Daniel Tashini and obviously Phil Eklund um, never had played any of his games or actually met him on person. But these are two kerfuffles that are continuing to going on, again, in the light and in the spirit of Martin Luther King and especially on his day, we would certainly like to be able to educate and inform these two individuals, the companies, the people that they're related to, and gamers at the table, that there is a larger context in everything that we do, including the fun hobby stuff that we do. And we do, and Anthony and I talk about this every week, and we say at the very end of the episode, we do want everyone to come to the table, and we do want everyone to be respected at the table. So again, in the spirit and the light of the Reverend Dr. Martha Luther King, let's please educate our family out there uh, about all of the things that they may not be aware of. Let's take the time to listen to them. And, and again, so hopefully that will come to a better place together, because in the end, I do believe there is not this malicious intent, but there is obviously blind spots that are very uh, damaging. So let's let's work together to hopefully make things better. Obviously, there's more to say about this. I don't know what we can say personally. We're not involved in any of this whatsoever or or with any of the individuals whatsoever. But obviously, please ensure that everyone can come to your table. Please do take a look at your games. Do enjoy them, but recognize that sometimes in some ways uh, they may have been created or may convey a message that may not be in keeping with the spirit that you intended. And the spirit that we all intended, which is we want everyone to join us at the table. Two kerfuffles over the weekend and continuing. Hopefully things will become straight now as time goes on. And again, we're just so glad to have you join us here at the table today. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I don't think I could say it any better myself. But like specifically in Phil Eklund's case, those essays have been published for a while. They've been available and people have had conversations about them. So if you are interested in reading more about that, there are a lot of comments and discussions about it on Board Game Geek. Particular. but there are topics in there about like world war ii and the nature of racism he talks about slavery he made a game about slavery climate change is another thing he touches on that some people have issues with like you said i think it's important that you engage with that don't just you know accept whatever necessarily is read from either side but at the same time it's problematic for a reason you know and these are things like i have a friend who's been talking about phil Eklund's problematic essays for a couple years now so this wasn't this wasn't a surprise to me. I was surprised nobody had noticed it. Yeah, it, I guess it just puts it upon all of us to think about what we're engaging with, like who the people are that are producing these games, the content, the materials, um, and especially for
1: Maran, you know, as content producers, thinking about that. So. And then I agree with everything else he said. And again, regardless, you always have a spot with us on the table, and maybe we'll come back to it someday as, as we have more information and can talk about what games mean in a larger context. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with all the kerfuffles out there in the world. Hopefully those are the only kerfuffles in the world. I mean, we're here in the US. So there's been kerfuffle after kerfuffle these past couple of days and weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't that word strong enough anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good word. Sometimes, you know, sometimes in life, you just have to take a look, you know, at life in general and just be like, you know what, it's a kerfuffle. Let's make fun of the fact that you know, there are these darker days and we, we take it with a, you know, a bit of sunshine. So with that said, Anthony, uh, obviously there is still so much going out there and still so much that's not kerfuffle-ish. Let's talk about what our listeners are talking about. What's our question of the week?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So not at all related to what we were just talking about. Is there a game you play with all of the expansions? Simple enough.
1: Oh, no. All the expansions. Yes, all <laughs> that, the doesn't ex- sound, that doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs>
0: That's the thing. Like, I was thinking about this the other day because I'm starting it's... to like catalog my games, and I, you know, if a g- expansion comes out for a game I own, I tend to buy it. But do I play them? And how many of these expansions have I never touched? And then you get depressed a little bit. And you're like, oh,
1: come on. <laughs> do we really want to talk about this? It seems very depressing. I don't know if I want to talk about this.
0: <laughs> yes, we do. Because I already asked the question. Uh, oh, no. So, kick things off with my favorite because Pete over on the Facebook group. He posted this right here. Killer Bunnies. All of the Killer Bunnies. Oh my goodness gracious. All the cards in a single deck. Uh, One day our group played with every Killer Bunnies expansion. Here's a pick of the draw pile.
1: That is impressive. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty good.
0: So I I had to throw that in there because that was pretty funny. We have a few people mentioned Mansions of Madness. I don't know that you can necessarily play with everything that is available for that game. There are like five or six expansions now, including the first edition content. But there is mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of content available and all the miniatures that you can pick up that go into this. Like, I actually had this game and was buying stuff and at a certain point realized I wasn't playing it. And so I got rid of it. But that was the box was already full of expansion. So putting this all out is like three tables. It's so much
1: stuff. Yeah, that's that's a that's a lot of Arkham.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, Andre mentions Raiders of the North Sea uh, will be two that he puts all possible expansions in from the beginning. Kyle also Ooh. mentioned Raiders of the North Sea, so John, um, I've heard that about this game, that it's one of those games that like throw everything in. It makes, they all make the game better, throw it all in there. Um, to the point where one of their most recent games takes the bits and pieces of all those expansions that make the game work and release it all as a single game. Raiders nice. of the North Sea is just all of this stuff jammed together into one game instead of all these separate expansions. I've never actually played Raiders of the North Sea, so I'm just going to take your all word for it, but it looks good. Yeah, looks great. Uh, let's see. We got Smash Up, which I, I think this one's funny because it's a little bit of a cheat. You can never actually play with all the expansions, <laughs> but... You can have them available. Could, exactly, yeah. You could smash up any deck with any other deck. I've heard that it's greatly imbalanced if you do that, but you can do it.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna fill that big geeky box, you might as well use them all, right? It's true. Very true. And that's not even the super big big geeky box. There's a bigger box. Oh my god. <laughs> and I know because I have it. You're crazy.
0: <laughs> um yeah, so that was Fed Benito. He mentioned that one. And then uh one more here I took a picture of is Terraforming Mars. Oh no. <laughs> this is the one I could think of for myself that has like a bunch of expansions that I leave all in. And it's not even because they're all good. It's because I don't feel like going through all the cards. You know, like the Venus next cards are mixed in there. The Colonies cards are mixed in there. The Turmoil cards at this point are mixed in there. And I'm like, I don't know. It's all in. So it's not how I would ideally play the game. I think I'd play with Prelude and Colonies only. But sometimes people want the Venus. Sometimes people want the Turmoil. And I'm just like, it's all,
1: I don't know. Yeah. It's a it's a ridiculously giant deck beyond belief, and there's no real separating once you pine put it in. So yeah, you're you're kind of yeah, and I, you know honestly, I think that's how most games go that have card expansions to them. That ideally, in a perfect world, you'd be able to like easily separate and kind of create multiple decks. But in the end, you're just going to throw it in one thing and like hope that it's somewhat balanced because it's yeah. just it's just too problematic to kind of constantly pull this the deck apart and try to edit it or something like whiz war i have whiz war and I have a bunch of the expansions it's like a huge deck but like what am i supposed to do just go through every card it would take an hour just to do that i know it's no fun no. like
0: it, imperial settlers is one where i have everything that's ever come out for that and it's all separated in the box but every time i go to play it i'm like ah, i could bring in this expansion but then i'm gonna have to pull the back out again and i just play the base game like you know unless I'm yeah. playing with a different faction uh, it does kind of limit it a little bit. So, uh, those were five. Uh, a few yeah. other people mentioned Champions of Midgard, playing with both expansions for that, um, which I could definitely see. Runebound, Sentinels of the Multiverse. I don't know that you can play with all the expansions there, but definitely throw a bunch in. Oh, sure. Let's see here. Some other things people mentioned Mystic Veil has a bunch of expansions. I know that those generally make the game better. So, we have Imperial Assault or Descent. I think. Especially if you're playing with the apps, you kind of just need all the stuff available because they just have you pull random things in from different places. Um, and then a bunch of people mentioned games that they would play with, like, the one expansion, like Lords of Waterdeep or Wingspan. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I want a lot of expansions. So sure. Tell me what game has a lot of expansions. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, who wrote in. If I didn't read your answer, it's because we had, like, 40 answers, but I do appreciate it. Um, it was a lot of fun, and especially thank you to... Um Pete who met who threw in his Killer Bunnies photo, that was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, and I guess for me personally, I was gonna say this earlier, but the chat already beat me to it. Seven wonders with all the expansions. So oh, that's yeah. seven wonders, that's also cities, that's leaders, that's Babel, with and Babel has a kind of multiple expansions. It's just not just Babel, it's also the the great works. And then obviously they have the Wonder Boards, which you could play with the the additional Wonder Boards and some extra promo cards that come along with it. Armada, yeah, I, I, yeah, all those things. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say I don't think I've ever played with all of them. You play with all of them? I've played with all of them. Yeah, I've played with all of them, and and it's just it's it works out really well. It's actually surprising. Obviously, again, you. you all the wonderboards you get to choose from them. They're not all available. And obviously even with the cards, with the promos and things like that, they're not all available. Not all the cards come into play. So I don't know if it's officially you can play with, I guess you do play with all the expansions, but you don't play with all of the cards or all the content in all the expansions. In the chat here too, they're also saying Munchkin, which I could totally vibe with because I have a lot of it. <laughs> and when i play with the family it's just like this huge deck and this other huge deck and this huge deck and we're like what happened here like i don't know (laughs) so yeah there's a lot of games that where you could play with most if not everything as far as all the expansions are concerned and i really like those i don't like the idea that you have to pull things out just because it just again it, it becomes problematic and the balancing becomes an issue And I think that's really the big issue for most games when they come out with expansions is that if they come out with a great expansion and like the expansion itself is balanced. And then if it's not meant for the whole expansion to go in and stay all in with the whole core set and the whole core set to stay in, if pieces have to come out, then you have a problem because now as the person who set the game up, you know, what's coming out of the game. And it could possibly unbalance the game. So, for example, Suburbia. If you bring in the Suburbia expansions, you have to take out some tiles. But now you know what tiles you took out. Or even if you randomly choose them, then certain combos are not going to work as well. And you won't know that. You're like, oh, I put an airport down. So if I get other airports, I'll get more stuff. And no airports come out. So... Mm -hmm. I do think you want a game that plays with all the expansions is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's our question of the week. Thank you all for shouting out in the chat. If you played with all the expansions, please continue to hit me up because I'd love to hear your stories for everybody else out there. If you listen to this podcast on Wednesday, or if you're on our embedded feed on board game arena and have not yet jumped onto Twitch to board game arena's Twitch channel, please hit us up on all our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, boardgamersanonymous.com our patreon patreon.com slash bga our guild on board game geek i mean there's pretty much everywhere you could possibly find us and we would love to hear from you these questions come out every day and anthony's always going through them and getting a bit of a chat and a bit of a, a laugh on his own all right anthony so that's what's going on with our listeners and our viewers let's talk about the games that we want at the table let's talk about our acquisitions disorders. Acquisition disorders. Yeah, I gave you guys a
0: preview of this at the beginning Ooh. of the episode. It's the terraforming Mars Ares expedition. It's the terraforming Mars card game, which I find <laughs> funny because, yeah, it's a board game, but it's defined by those cards, right? Yes. Now it's more card game, less board. Oh game, no. <laughs> We know almost nothing about this. The announcement was kind of a surprise because everybody thought the next Terraforming Mars project was the dice game that they've been talking about for like a year and a half. But this is coming to Kickstarter. The preview page is up. You can click the notify me button, which usually means it's coming in the next like two, three weeks. And that's about all we know. They claim there are 200 beautifully illustrated cards. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm giving the finger quotes here because we'll see. (laughs) I don't know if I trust them, but they do say it'll look nice. And it does have Jacob Frixelius as listed as a designer, but also co-designers Sidney Engelstein and Nick Little. Um, Nick Little in particular, I know he's done development work on a lot of stuff like Aeon's End and Kadama. So it's a group effort and it's a card game. So presumably smaller, shorter, quicker, but it's Kickstarter and it's Stronghold. So I don't know. Hopefully it's not, (laughs) I'm just hoping it doesn't cost a fortune. I hope it does look good because I do want to get this. But I actually passed on that last terraforming Mars Kickstarter because I couldn't justify the cost. It was mm. so expensive, and I already have almost all that stuff. So I, I want to be able to get this. I hope it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the main thing I've seen on Board Game Geek, or I've seen on their their actual like Twitter page or Facebook page, is the upgraded artwork because the artwork in the original game was really bad and like super random and it was yeah. just basically clip art that they found on the internet and i just yeah I, I mean that's really the only thing i want here i just want decent artwork they make a good game so if you could just do that please do god please just give me yeah. decent artwork <sighs>
0: yeah yeah be, exactly happy, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm saying that's all i want I, I hope so like development money has gone into this right whereas the original game was like these brothers are like, we're making a game. And then stronghold picked it up and just released it as is because that's yeah. what they used to do. Um But this time it seems like stronghold is developing it with them. I say seems, cause I don't really know, but seems that way. And if that's the case, hopefully some budget went to those cards. So I don't know. I'm hoping.
1: Cover looks nice. So let's, let's here's the hoping. Yeah. So Anthony, one question about that. I mean, if this game is good, would this be a situation where obviously I know you, because you're a big fan, you would own all three, but could you see a situation where somebody owns just the card game because they want terraforming Mars, but they don't want to spend all the monies and they want the good artwork. Some people want the board game as the board game is with the iffy, iffy, iffy kind of components. And then some people drop $500 and get all the 3d miniatures and everything else
0: yeah i don't know it's got to fill a niche like the board game for me does so many things like i could play it digitally i can play it with friends i can play it solo and i like all of that so this needs to be they say it'll take about an hour to play if that's true then yes because a one-hour version of terraforming mars all about it but we'll see There, on our list later we have a game in particular that has this exact question that we can pose to it so maybe we can revisit
1: that okay sounds good Alright, so for my acquisition disorder, because if you're going to have an acquisition disorder, it must be incredibly insane for no particular reason. So this is, of course, and it needs to be, it's a Simon game. Simon presents the Animation Collection. Introducing Scooby-Doo, the board game, Teen Titans Go! Mayhem, and Looney Tunes Mayhem, featuring incredible painted figures which they just love that idea so this is a current kickstarter that's up right now and is actually going to be wrapping up in about two days time from monday so this project will end on wednesday january 20th 2021 at 7 p.m eastern standard time so if you're listening to this on the podcast you should have a couple more hours if you want to back this project Now, CMON's known for its miniatures games, and, of course, this is keeping in line with their fantastic miniatures, and obviously now at this point, wonderful paint jobs and incredible IPs. So this was kind of surprising when this popped out. They had some other kind of like cartoony action games, but this was one that was just like, oh, here are the IPs that everyone's been talking about. So, in fact... These are three games in one campaign. So first off, Scooby-Doo! The Board Game is a 30-minute one-to-five-player co-op game in which you and the Scooby-Doo gang are going to try to figure out the mystery working together. It has a little bit of that kind of one-versus-many. The bad guys kind of running around, dropping out off tokens, and you have to accomplish different missions on the board. Each of the characters has, like... A minor kind of special ability that you can play without the game again the the components are great the monster figures here I think are really what sets this game apart because if you are a old school scooby-Doo fan you'll recognize the let's just call them monsters but eventually they all turn out to be old white guys <laughs> in uh you know masks so nonetheless don't wanna don't want to spoil that for you but that was literally every episode of scooby-Doo So basically, again, a lot of variety here. And in fact, they added a lot of promos to this too. So not only are you getting Scooby-Doo Gang and three of the classic monsters, but you're also getting a bunch of different promos that come with this set. So the Black Knight, the Witch, the Ghost Diver, Spooky, Space Kook, and also Scrappy-Doo, if you remember Scrappy-Doo. So this game is going for $80 plus shipping. Now, Here's basically the main part of this campaign. Teen Titans Go! Mayhem. And you're also looking at Looney Tunes Mayhem. Now, the Mayhem is as in the Mayhem system. This is basically kind of along the lines of what we've recently seen with the Funko games. And where it's just basically these really super cool miniatures. You have your player character that has a couple of special abilities then you're rolling dice to knock each other around. And that's pretty much it, except for the fact that the miniatures look awesome. So not only do you get the Teen Titans, but you get some of their bad guys that come along with this. You get Trigon, you get Jinx, you get Mammoth, and then there's going to be more expansions as time goes on. Looney Tunes is the same thing, so you're getting Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, Daffy Duck, Tasmanian Devil, and there's also Yosemite Sam, Pepe Le Pew, Speedy Gonzales, Penelope, Foghorn Leghorn, and Porky Pig. So all of those are currently available on top of all of their additional backups that you can also pick up. They've also added Wacky Races, which we already reviewed, which is a very super light kind of gameplay game. But they also added two figures that you can play into the game. c knows how to sell their games and they sell their games with like really great miniatures that you want to play. So again, a lot of miniatures out here a lot of gameplay, you can kind of package them up. So if you do want all of the games, you can get them at like a slight discount, five, 10, 20 bucks here and there. But basically it's really great miniatures and hopefully a good enough game. I remember Pop Funko did a really good job with their kind of little battling game. So if you're interested, CMO presents the animation collection. Again, we'll be wrapping up Wednesday, January 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time
0: yeah i wish i had any interest in this it's funny like i love the funko games they're they're actually pretty cute and they're fun the thing is is those funko games are like thirty dollars and you can buy them anywhere and you get cool little funko pops right yeah Th- these games are crazy expensive and like i don't see the need for like a big box of extra miniatures like the kickstarter rewards that they do because it's cmon for a game like this that's for my children Maybe it's just not for me. I don't know, but I'm sure. just like I'm looking at this campaign. I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know who this is for.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there's obviously some level of nostalgia here. I mean, Scooby Doo is something I kind of grew up with, and I actually do like Teen Titans Go. So uh, It's kind of awkward, but I do. And Looney Tunes has been around forever, and I love Looney Tunes. So I could see me playing this, but as you said, I don't know if I could see me backing this. It's just like you said. It's very expensive for what it is, which is basically buying toys and hopefully some light version of the game, which again, like you said, with the Funkos were obviously a pretty decent game, surprisingly enough. And now if you did want IP exclusive kind of characters, those Funko games are going super cheap pretty much everywhere. And they have a lot of, like, weirdly diverse characters. Like, hey, it's the Golden Girls versus Harry Potter versus Batman versus the Kool-Aid Man. So... <laughs> so, yeah. So, Starfire is in there for sure. And all of the characters are there. It's a lot of fun. I think it's worth at least looking at. Maybe one day this will be worth the money. But, obviously, it's it's a toy game. It's It's definitely all about the toys. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, so sorry, it's clearly not for me,
0: but that's cool. Like, I I understand where you're coming from. So it's it's cool that they're making things outside of, like, the Blood Rage and, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I I think they're going for more of a family-friendly market. And, like, if this was reasonably priced, and I mean, like, reasonably priced, I could see picking it up just because of nostalgia value and, again, hoping that it's a decent game. I had the same problem with the Funko games. Like I like I love the Funko characters and I love the different diverse characters, but I just couldn't see spending that kind of money on a very simple hack and slash kind of skirmish kind of mode with those characters. I just I just couldn't see spending the money. So same thing here. I can't see spending the money, but at the same time, I want to spend the money. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> it's all fun. You're 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 playing for the toys. All right. So that's our acquisition disorder. We need to leave it before I end up purchasing it just completely by accident, nostalgia value. So Anthony, let's get to the games that actually did hit the table this week. And we'll let everybody know if those games are a buy and they should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play and they should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and they should avoid them like their childhood nostalgia or if those games are the dreaded kerfuffle and they should get the heck out of there all right anthony so what do you have up for us this week all right i got a game that uh, we both played
0: so actually both games today we both played oh, yeah. seven wonders duel agora this is actually Ooh. an expansion uh so i do have the physical version of this and you and i played it on board game arena right here where you're all watching this and it adds a senate board to seven wonders duel uh so basically there's two new mechanics here you have the Senate where you can place influence and you get special abilities and you'll score points. That's also an endgame condition if you control all the chambers of the Senate. So it's one more thing to manage. And then you have the conspiracies, which can also be basically played into the future of the game uh, with these other cards. So you're going to seed Senate cards or Senator cards into the tableau. And some of these will allow you to place influence and some of these will allow you to take conspiracies. Some of them you get to choose. and that's basically the change to the game but the thing about it is you really are like it adds a lot of things to tippy toe around and try to balance um the the blue buildings are now influential they're not just points uh you can the number of them you have will determine how many influence you can place into the senate when you place the senator card so that's important uh, if you don't have any blue buildings you're only placing one cube for every card If you have four or more of those blue buildings, you're placing three influence, which can be huge, because that's a victory condition. Those influence that you put into the Senate, they also give you special abilities. Some of them will give you extra money if somebody takes a certain type of action. Some of them let certain things cost less. Some of them just let you do more stuff. So like where you decide to go will have an influence. And then the conspiracy cards, the way these work is you play the senator for the conspiracy, you draw two, I think, you pick one, place it Mm -hmm. face down, and then in the future, you can load, basically load that one up, you know, uh, place a card from the tableau under it, and then in a future round after that, you can trigger it at the beginning of your round. So, it's a free action to trigger it, but it takes two actions before that to prepare it. Some of them are really good for you, some of them are really, really bad for your opponent. You know, like, steal one of their cards, destroy one of their wonders, uh, that kind of thing. I liked it. I think I like it more than the Pantheon expansion. It does give a lot more to kind of wrap your head around and try to balance because there's just a million things going on. And the game already had, you know, three different ways to win. And now you're adding a fourth. And so you have to kind of manage that and make sure like, all right, so you can't get ahead of military, um, which is actually easier to do now because of all these extra things you can get, you know, double up on your military strength from the Senate. Um, You have to not get ahead on technology and not get ahead in the senate lots of balancing it seems less likely for the game to end in points now um i I don't think either of our games did Mm -hmm. and i but i like these special abilities you effectively get by using the senate so you always have something you know it kind of helps direct where you're going gives you something more to work towards and when you take one of those blue cards it has value it's not just like i have a blue card it's worth four points Woo! that was my turn so yeah i liked it it's a play for me i Still like Seven Wonders Duel, just vanilla, (laughs) I think, the most. But, you know, if I'm going to add an expansion in, this one's not too bad. It says in the book you can play both expansions together. I will never do that. So, uh, Chris, if you do that, let us know if it's any good, because I'm never going to do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do it all the time. I love playing with all the expansions together and we talked about this before Pantheon was one of my favorite expansions. I know you weren't so hot on it, but I did like the idea that it balanced out the science mechanic that was very powerful in the game, because even if you didn't go for science, those science tokens really just changed the game up big time. So yeah, I really enjoyed Agora. Obviously now you need to pay attention to another game ending technique. So it's not just military. It's not just science, but it's also politics. And I think the first time we're playing, I'm like, all right, trying to keep everything. Hey, does that do a thing? And the game's (laughs) over. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) That did do a thing. And I was coming around to say that and it's over. So yeah, I think obviously this is a good expansion because it does what uh, Pantheon does and it does what the science does, which is it opens up new ways to play. So being able to place in the Senate and get things cheaper or get a bonus is a lot of fun because I like the idea that even if you don't win in that particular end game phase, you're still benefiting off. So it's not a complete waste. Sometimes when you do the military, you're just like, oh, they lost two money or five money. And it's just like, "Eh." but here you really felt like you were going to get something out of it. But at the same time, The politics win is not easy. If someone else is just keeping an eye on it, as we were learning in that first game, if you don't keep an eye on it, it's bad. When I did keep an eye on it, I win, but that's not even it. It's just like you do have to keep an eye on all three balls in the air now this time. As you mentioned, there's also the normal you win by civilization blue points, but no one really pays attention to that until the end. You're like, oh, I should have been (laughs) counting points, right? I should be counting points too. So this is really a nice expansion. This is absolutely, positively a buy for me. I'm really looking forward to add this to my collection with my Seven Wonders Duel. Seven Wonders Duel is one of my favorite games of all time. So yes, yes, yes to all the things. <laughs> there you things. go, okay. guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a good expansion. Well, well recommended by us.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, it's, so from small games to big games, and again, Anthony, I know that you've had an opportunity to play this as well. One of the big games that came out that you and I were really looking forward to was coming from one of my favorite designers, if not my favorite designer, Vladimir Suchi. This is Praga Kapta Redny. This is all about the wondrous nature of this lavish European city in Prague and the wonderful kind of like beautiful medieval city, the capital of the kingdom as 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 it's translated. So since you and I got this at a table, we were really happy cuz we could play this game together. Turns out the board is huge and everything is just so complex on the board that unfortunately we couldn't play this virtually, but we both played this solo. So let me talk about the game itself because Vladimir Suchi does games differently. Each and every one of his games is very unique and they really utilize different types of gameplay here. Now The thing that I'm going to come back to time and time again with this game is I'm not sure why this game wasn't a Kickstarter. Don't get me wrong. I don't want it to be a Kickstarter. I don't want to spend like a thousand dollars on this game, but this game is built as if it was a Kickstarter because it's so overproduced and there's so many different options for replayability in this game that I was like, who funded all these stretch goals because they're great, and I'm really happy about that. So let's talk about what's in the box. So first off, you get a a double-tiered player board. Now, this is your construction board, and basically what you're going to be doing on this game is managing the mining that you're doing throughout in order to build out all these wonderful pieces of architecture that really built the city up here. So you're working for the king, and obviously you want to make it as wondrous as possible here. So you have your stone and you have your gold, and that's going to be your two main resources in the game. So you have cubes that manage that. You also have two spinning wheels that will allow you to be able to just calculate what you get each and every time you decide to take that particular resource. On the right side of the board, you'll be able to get special technology tokens that will upgrade you, and you'll also be able to get science, knowledge, that's gonna going to score the technology at the end of the game. So what are you doing with all that gold? What are you doing with all that stone? Well, you're gonna to go to the crane, which is this huge big wheel on the top right of the board that's going to have these double hex tokens. On the start of your turn, you'll take one of these double hex tokens, you'll pick an action, plus you'll get an action from the actual crane wheel where that token's placed. You'll decide what action you're gonna take from that double spot, and you get that bonus. You can decide where you, when you want to take those things. And then you'll take that action. And typically, you'll take that action. And what comes from that action will be based on your own particular player board. This little action board, this giant kind of like multi that place into the game, will allow you to do a number of things, including upgrading that actual board. Also, again, as I mentioned earlier, mining for gold, mining for stone, traveling along the road and down towards the bridge building up the city with new buildings, and also building walls, which will actually surround that main multi-hex tile that you have that's basically your action board. Now, what I should also mention here, beyond this wonderful crane kind of just massive Zolkin token that actually moves. So as you take the tokens, you actually spin it and move, and that's really phenomenal. And the pieces are so great here too. But there also is a cathedral. And a a wall, there's actually like these multi tier three-dimensional pieces that you build, and then you put on the top left, and then your token throughout the game, you're able to build those things up and score points as the game goes on. Those two massive pieces are amazing. You don't need to play with them. They're 3D pieces. The 2D pieces, as far as the board's concerned, is already there. There's also the bridge. And the bridge is really amazing because the bridge has a number of bonuses on it. So, as you're traveling, I think it's down the St. Charles Bridge Road, you'll be able to pick up bonuses throughout there. As you put down buildings based on how they're kind of lined up and how they surround the different bazaars, you'll score additional points in the game. There are bonuses to be found in mass throughout there. And pretty much that's it. There are about five or six different scoring areas in the game. As I mentioned, there's the road, there's the city building there's the different the cathedral and then there's the wall and there's all these other tiles and you're bored and you're there's there's almost too much to do and you can't do it all but it's fun to do most of it because generally most of this going to score you points throughout the game and then obviously you're going to score the special benefit bonuses so my final thoughts as far as this game as a solo game it's fine because basically it becomes a programming game because the The solo mode in this game is really like, you take an action, you know the next action is not going to be available, but you can take the next one. So it's basically a programming, trying to get your best score possible. There is a major problem as far as the gold tokens are concerned. These are like the big bonus tokens. There are six in the game. You split them up into two piles. You put them in two different areas that you'll be able to get them by two different means So if you build up certain areas of your kind of like construction or your power board or wherever you are on the map, you'll score those. But if you didn't get the right tokens or the right tokens weren't available, you're out of luck. And that's just the difference maker in the game, like a big time difference maker. So that really bummed me out like hardcore. I was really disappointed with that mechanic because that was going to be like 20 some odd points in the game. And I don't know why just by the luck of the of the draw i don't get what i need to kind of score those points so overall just as a solo game i'm going to give it at the very least a high play and maybe a low buy this game needs to be played with multiple players because especially building the city buildings only really comes into play around the market when you have multiple buildings going there throughout the game, because as multiple buildings go out there, not only do you get bonuses for being next to certain other bonuses, but as everyone surrounds the bazaar, you're going to get bonuses from the bazaar. You need multiple people for the game. For a solo, it's a play. I'm assuming and hoping when I finally get to this table with a bunch of people or with my family, it's going to move up to a buy. What about you, Anthony?
0: Yeah, it's, I like setting it up and playing it for the first time. I was like, I like all of the ideas here. I like everything it's trying to do, but yeah, there were a few issues that I had one, the board's too busy. That's unrelated to the gameplay, but it's just too busy. I had trouble finding some things like you all can see the board here on the screen. And we put that up for a reason. This is what you're trying to look at. It's so much stuff. It's just, it's very pretty. I would love a piece of artwork that looks like this, but trying to find a tile that you've already yes. placed on this board, you're like, where the heck did I put it? Um, so no good. Yeah, the way the end uh, endgame scoring is distributed is... I don't like it. <laughs> I think... Because you have to get all the way up to the top row of, I believe, the cathedral, right? To be able to get that other gold tile. It's either the cathedral yeah, or yeah. the so bridge. The bridge is easy enough. You only have to move along that path, like, what, five times? The cathedral is a little back, harder yeah. because... Like you said, it's up to the draw. Like the building tiles that come out may not have a cathedral symbol symbol on them, right? If you're playing yes. with other people, they'll cycle through and maybe you'll get what you need. If you're playing by yourself, it's the same ones and then you have to waste resources to cycle those tiles out and that sucks. So, not a fan. I know they have like an upgraded solo version. I looked at it because I was like, "Ooh, an automa." It's not a real automa. All it really does is cycle those tiles out for you. It's still a high score race. It's that's about it. It doesn't move any of the tiles away or like the scoring tiles away. The game doesn't have enough interaction for it to do much to you. It just cycles some of the building and other items out of the way. So you get new tiles to look at, which is good. That's what you need. But yeah, I'd agree as a solo game. It's a play. Um, liked it. Didn't love it. Takes too long to set up. Probably won't pull it out too much, but I really am excited to play it with other people. Cause I can see like, and not even at two, I think three, four people will be pretty nice because There are a lot of things you're trying to do and you need to do a little bit of all of them. And, you know, like if you want to move up on, you know, one track, you have to place a different kind of tile, but that gives you the symbols for the other tracks. You really have to place walls and buildings if you want to be able to score across them. Right. You're not going to get you're not going to get the little tokens you need to score the cathedral extra at the end unless you also build walls. So. I like that. I like that mechanic. I like you have to be economical and efficient with the 16 actions you get and try to generate as many extra actions as you can. And it's not like we're crushing this thing. We played it solo. It wants you to get 140 points. I think I got 102 last night. So I'm not anywhere close. Like There's a lot to do, but I don't know. It feels like practice mode. I feel like I'm practicing to play it with other people at this point.
1: Yeah, I think overall, I, I think you're spot on as far as that's concerned. You know, without multiple players in the game, the game really doesn't come to life. And again, that's not a fault of the game. A lot of games put these kind of like solo player modes in there for the sake of, I don't know, situations like this where you can't get the game to it with a lot of people. But as I mentioned, it is a overproduced game, probably in the best way possible. But then again, you don't need to how would you say it play with the, the giant 3d pieces or play with the with the giant 3d bridge but nonetheless they're fun to play with it is a, it is a table hog to say the least it's something to get to the table hopefully pretty soon and we'll come back around to this and we'll talk more about it. yeah,
0: yeah no right. this is a game that like i can see myself liking and getting up to a buy i don't think it'll ever reach like underwater cities for me that game is a masterpiece but it's good
1: all right so that's everything that hit our table this week Now let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the top 10, the card games. Those games that are wonderful, but by the magic of our board game designers out there, they have made them into the card game. So those games have been revised, remastered, and just generally transformed into a different version that's all about the cards. So, Anthony, we have some great games here. You're a big fan of all these card games, right?
0: I love card games. Yeah, it's it's fun when you take, oh, I, I said this last week, it's the same thing, but you take a big sprawling thing and you boil it down to its basic essence and you say, does this still work? And sometimes it doesn't. But in these 10 mm-hmm. cases, it does. So it's a lot of fun. I would say two or three of these, like, are My favorite yeah. version of that thing Absolutely. or rival it closely,
1: and again, these games are wonderful because you could certainly get these games to the table. Where some other games are a little bit hard to get for a number of reasons. But as Anthony mentioned, uh, Ares Expedition will be coming out soon, which will be a card version of Terraforming Mars. And Anthony, also another game, Arkwright, right? They're getting a card game too,
0: yeah. It was on Kickstarter in like early last year, so it should ship by summer ish this year. Um, I'm pretty excited for that one because that is a game i cannot get to the
1: table so a card game hopefully makes that doable all right so anthony with that said let's get into our top 10 list why don't you start us off
0: all right i'll keep it nice and small to start medici the card game Uh, this came from holy grail games back in 2016 i backed the kickstarter for this and this came after they had already updated the medici artwork with a new version which is beautiful i love that it's one of my favorite nizia games and now it's the original was so ugly. This one's so nice. <laughs> it looks like this. But the card game is a little bit different than the board game. In this, there is a deck of cards. You draw from one to three on your turn, and you have to keep the last one you draw. You drew, but you can also choose to keep some of the others. Some cards go out into the common pool. Other people can take those. And you're doing the same thing you do in the main game. You're trying to load up your boats. Seven cards with two players, and I think five with three to six. Uh, and then score them as best you can. So it's about getting the best things. It's not as good as the board game, but that said, the board game is one of like those all-time greats when it comes to like that auction mechanic. Um, but it's really quick, it's really accessible, and it does some really interesting things with that basic idea, and it's very nice to look at. Uh, I think this is the only way you can get it because it did not exist before this version. So that is uh, Medici the Card Game.
1: All right, so our number nine game is Coal Baron, the great card game. So what we're talking about here, Coal Baron has been a game that's been out of print for quite some time. This was from Stronghold Games, and it was all about mining coal, and it was had this really cool worker placement element and this really cool kind of like coal elevator that went up and down. Our friend Drew had this game for like forever, and it was just like, ooh, it has an elevator <laughs> that she can play in the game. But again, it was a kind of big clunky worker placement game. And then the card game comes along and it really does redesign the game in a great way. So basically what you're doing here is you are certainly mining all the different coal mines and then loading up the coal and then delivering them to various different destinations throughout the game. It has some really nice worker cards that come in the game, some player boards, the lorry cards as far as moving the different co- the coal. Every different aspect of the game where typically it was all about taking a different worker placement action is now transformed by these different cards in the game. And the cards really do fit the times as far as the artwork's concerned, how you layer the cards up. This game really reminds me of a game that I'm going to be talking about later that really just takes the unique elements of just placing on a certain board and getting a certain element to it. Here, you have your main coal board. Then you have the lorry. You have you have all of this coal that's coming into your, you know, quote unquote factory. And then you have the wagon cards that build their way out. So again, build up your coal, get it to the wagon, throw an you know an engine on the other side, pick up some shares as you go, and you have a fantastic card game. That is Coal Baron, the great card game.
0: All right, number eight on the list is Power Grid, the card game. Ooh. This one is from Friedman Freeze, and it is exactly as it sounds. It is a card game version of Power Grid. And what they've done is just remove the board. So you still have the auction for the different power plants. You still have the money. Um, the power plants, however, generate the money directly uh, for income in future rounds instead of you know doing it through the maps and the number of um, different locations you're powering. And there's also uh, kind of a unique system for how you get the resources. So the resources, are, there's no bits in the game. They're all cards. They each have a number on them that kind of rotate around and based on how many you have. So you're going to kind of load up on those cards, power your different power plants, and then try to reach that magic number and win the game. It legit feels like you took Power Grid and removed the board. So if you really like the board, <laughs> then this may not be the game for you. But if you want like a version of Power Grid that really focuses in on that auction and only takes an hour to play,
1: the card game is pretty solid all right so for our next game our number seven space hulk death angel the card game now this is particularly here because space hulk for anyone who's been in board gaming for any amount of time knows that space hulk has a very unique place in board game history and is impossible to get only on these rare I don't know <laughs> solar eclipses every quasi number of years if you catch you know your shadow in an odd moment it's just it it's a really weird such weird rare and weird situation when you actually are able to find or get a copy of Space Hulk but here on Space Hulk Death Angel the card game you get to utilize that co-op adventure about your space marines fighting down all of these different monstrous aliens but instead of having these kind of like gigantic miniatures, this gigantic board, and again, this out-of-print game, you're able to actually build up the battles just with the deck of cards. As you build up your soldiers, you build up the incoming enemy, and you fight it out. So that is Space Hulk Death Angel, the card game.
0: All right. Number six is Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game. Uh this this one's a sad one for me, because this came out and it was, it was billed as this big system. It was a fantasy flight game and they lost the license to it like six months later. That was like right before they lost the, the Warhammer license. So this game in particular it's designed by the Sadler brothers who've gone on and they've started their own company and they've actually taken this system and implemented it in their own games. Fantasy flight tried to reimplement it in another game based on the Terranoff universe, which similarly did not do well, but almost none of those Taranoff games do well, but it's, The core idea of the game is you take an adventure game where you're rolling dice and moving around and exploring things and fighting different things, and you turn that into a card game. And it worked really well. I really enjoyed this game quite a bit. The problem was the base game had only a handful of scenarios, as most Fantasy play content is, and the only expansions were like print-and-play type of things for different characters. I still have it, though, because I still enjoy coming back to this occasionally, and it really does capture that feel of, Warhammer Quest, like the old 80s, 90s style, you know, big box adventure type of game in the Warhammer fantasy universe. So it's a shame, but if you do come across a copy and it's not crazy expensive, I do recommend
1: trying it out. So talking about a big kind of expensive, crazy, super Euro game that's out there, this is Masters of Renaissance, Lorenzo El Manifico, the card game. Now, what's really funny about this game right off the bat is, yes, it has cards. Yes, it has boards. And it also has marbles. Yeah. (laughs) So it's called the card game, but the main mechanic as far as getting the resources in the game is this kind of weird marble mechanic, but it's called the card game. So it fits into this category. So Masters of Renaissance Lorenzo Menefico, the card game is, again, is a slimmed down version of Lorenzo Menefico, which is all about taking all these cards from the market, adding them to your tableau, and then choosing based upon your three or four actions to run your machine or get gold or points or whatever it is that you're able to do based on your machine in order to satisfy these really kind of cool leader cards. The leader cards have a lot of power, a lot of points, but you have to meet certain conditions. The card game version of this has all of that here But instead of running those massive green and gold machines throughout the game, you are going to pick out marbles. And based on how you kind of pick out, move around, push the marbles, you are going to get resources that you're going to add to your player board that's going to allow you to complete the different leaders in the game. So the leader cards are still here, but they're even more so as far as the game's concerned. They really are the winning conditions in the game. The marbles come into play, but it is a card game. Oddly enough, Masters of Renaissance, Lorenzo Imanifico, The Card Game.
0: Gets the award for the hardest one to say.
1: I know. <laughs> they put all the There's words
0: so many in letters in this name. <laughs> all right. Number four on the list is Castles of Burgundy, The Card Game. We've talked about this game a lot on this show, specifically because it's borderline better than the original game. So it takes everything about Castles of Burgundy. It boils it down into just cards. It's a tiny little tuck box. It's like this big. And it has, I don't know, maybe 300 cards in there. And you have cards that represent the dice. And you have cards that represent the different types of locations. And you have a tableau that you're building out. And you have cards for like your workers and your ore and everything. Everything that's in the game, cards. And it's a little bit of a sprawl on the table. And it takes a little bit of time to set up. But it runs really quickly. There are no dice. There's just a deck that you're going to flip over. And that's going to determine things. And, you know, if you're a fan of Castles of Burgundy, you're definitely going to like the card game. But I've played with several people who don't like the Castles of Burgundy and still like the card game because it manages to streamline so much of that game. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And it has a solo version, which is decently difficult. A little random, but decently difficult and not a high score race. Um, I've played that quite a bit. So highly recommended. One of my favorite card games ever made from a, out of a board game, Castles of Burgundy, the card game.
1: All right. Our number three game is First Class, All Aboard the Orient Express. Now, again, we've been talking about games, especially card games or the card games here that take popular mechanics and of great games that we love. In this case, Russian railroads and in particular Russian railroads along with German railroads and put it into a card game version. First Class All Aboard the Orient Express is, in fact, one of my favorite games of all time. And again, just very similar to Coal Baron, what you're doing here, instead of taking actions on Russian Railroad's boards in order to be able to build up your trains on the track, here you're selecting cards from the market that will actually be the cards and build up your train, but also give you a number of different benefits, add passengers, add engineers, add a whole bunch of different things that you could add in order to build up these two different rails, move your train along the tracks, and with the multiple expansions in this game, the little different modules, you can play the game differently, including a murder mystery on the Orient Express, which is insane that they put it in here, but it works, and it works beautifully in the game. So if you've ever wanted to play Russian Railroads and just never got the time to do so and want to play an even better version of it and a more dynamic version of it, check out First Class All Aboard the Orient Express. All right, number two on the list, Arkham Horror the Card Game. Uh, You might
0: be wondering, what about all the other The Card Games from Fantasy Flight? Well, those are not necessarily like reinterpretations of existing board games. They're just The Card Games, right? Star Wars a Card Game or Game of Thrones a Card Game. This is... And it's not necessarily a reinterpretation of Arkham Horror, the board game, but it takes a lot of the ideas. It takes the world that Fantasy Flight has built. It takes some of the the basic concepts around solving a mystery and moving forward and the things that you have to fight. And it turns it into a card game within the structure and framework of what made Lord of the Rings, the card game, so good. But it makes it better somehow. (laughs) This is my favorite, I think, Card game, LCG, solo experience, any of those things, honestly, could be up there. It's in my top 20 games of all time because it manages to do all those things so smartly and so effectively. If you're looking for a card game that has a ton of content, is easy to find, it's all in print, you can find all of it, and that you can play with other people or by yourself and get a nice narrative experience out of, but like with some chunky mechanics, Arkham Horror the card game is the way to go.
1: All right. So now for our number one the card game of all time initially and historically for very many years, as far as Anthony and I coming to the board game industry, the number one, the card game, at least for us has always been San Juan. Now San Juan had been based on a super popular number one board game of all time for six years. That was Puerto Rico. Obviously as time went on, And it became more and more understandable and kind of like got to the populace that Puerto Rico was problematic for its erasure of the actual slaves that weren't colonists in the game. Then we had to take a second look at San Juan, which again was a fantastic mechanical game that utilized in the best way possible everything from Puerto Rico, but better. That came out in 2004. Now, in fact, while... Puerto Rico was one of the best games of all time and San Juan was being developed based upon that. There was also another game being developed on that. And that is race for the galaxy from Thomas Lehman. Now, one of the greatest card games of all time, regardless of San Juan was race to the galaxy, because it was a little more complex. You had to do more things than you did in San Juan. And basically both of these games did something, which was brilliant. You were taking actions. And when you took an action, other players possibly could take that action too. So basically, I take this build action or I take this settle action, everyone can do the same. If I took the action, I'm probably getting a benefit from it that you're not, but you could still take the action. Not only did you get that brilliant mechanic from what you did from Puerto Rico, but you also got the opportunity to utilize your cards not only as what you would be building but also the resources that come into the game. So whether it was, you know, filling up a plantation or settling a planet or utilizing the resources for money, the cards were the currency in the game. Now, Race for the Galaxy from Thomas Lehman has had multiple revisions throughout the time. We just recently talked about one of our favorite games of all time, Roll for the Galaxy, just last week for our The dice games, but there's also been jump drive and there's also been, I believe it's final frontier that's been out there, which is new frontiers. Thank you. New frontiers. Final frontiers is in a galaxy far, far away. No, that's somebody else completely. I think Picard would know. That's all I'm leaving it there. So again, both of these games, San Juan and race for the galaxy are wonderful games based on really unique mechanics that were brought over from Puerto Rico and they're recontextualized. In San Juan, it kept a lot of the same problematic ideas, but in Race for the Galaxy, again, it went to a galaxy far, far away and was all about settling these planets, utilizing some war mechanics as things go on, trading and building throughout the way, and became a genre in and of itself. So you can take any of these wonderful Euro games with their great... Queue pushing mechanics, and do something better. Find a theme that's more appropriate for everyone and really explore different universes, literally, as far as that's concerned. So our number one, the card game of all time, it does go back in time to reinvent itself because since the card game came out, there's been a dice game and a board game, but in the genre of games that are the card game, the greatest the card game is race for the galaxy. All right, everyone. So that's everything for this week until next time. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. I will give you all a seat at the table. Take care.